Hello and welcome to the Medical Humanities Podcast, the official podcast of BMJ's Medical Humanities Journal. We invite you to listen in and join the conversation from academic discussions happening in our journal to interviews with filmmakers and artists and global perspectives on health and medicine from around the world. Stay up to date with public discussions that matter to medicine and to the humanities because life happens at the intersections. Hello, I'm Brandy Skilache, and welcome back to the Medical Humanities Podcast. I'm here today with Monica Greco, who is actually going to be guest editing our June special issue. I'm very excited to have you on, Monica. Thank you. I wonder if you could start off by telling uh, telling our readers a little bit about who you are and, and, and where you work. I know you, but, um, but give a chance to let them know you a little bit better. I'm Monica Greco. I'm a professor of sociology at Goldsmiths uh, University of London. Um, and I've been working on uh, the history, sociology and philosophy of medicine, uh, well, throughout my career, really, from when I first started over 20 years ago. Um, and my focus over all this time, really, has been on psychosomatics, on the history of psychosomatic medicine, its philosophy and its contemporary manifestations. Um, and that indeed is a part of what the special issue is about. Right. And that's wonderful. I'm really excited about the way sociology and history and all of these things can come together. Um, I wonder if you could explain to our listeners what are psychosomatics and what, is that, what does that mean? Um, psychosomatics is, is an interesting term. It is used in very many different ways in different contexts. Um, I came to it initially at the beginning of, of my academic career as a historian of medicine, um, in very much in the tradition of Michel Foucault, for those who are historians or non-historians in the audience. Um, and in, in the history of medicine, there is um, a field called psychosomatic medicine that is still alive. Um, it has its own specialist journals, um, its own areas of research, etc., However, the word psychosomatic is also one that is used very much in everyday speech um, and often in ways that are very different from how specialists might use it. So um, in the English-speaking world, for example, to say that something is psychosomatic is often a way of saying that it's all in the mind, maybe, maybe not real. It's a way of dismissing things. Um, whereas I think in the history of medicine, psychosomatics really is that field that tackles head on that really very difficult question of how mind and body might actually be related in producing very real phenomena. Right. And I find that very interesting because I, I was at a medical anthropology journal for many years. And so a similar sort of situation where you, you take those pieces seriously as opposed to, you know, brushing them aside and saying, this doesn't matter. Um, so, so that's really interesting. And the other thing that I'd like to ask you about is the word biopolitics appears in your special issue as well. And I, I have personally have an understanding of what that means, but I wonder how are you using it um, to help engage in a conversation about psychosomatic medicine? I think in the broadest possible sense of biopolitics, which is a term coined and, and, and made, um, if you like, popular in academic circles by Michel Foucault. Um, biopolitics is a term that I'm using inspired by him, but more broadly, simply to address uh, health as a political concept. Um, so 
Biopolitics is the field of the politics of health, of life, is a concept that refuses to make that distinction between nature on the one hand and politics on the other hand. Um, it's a concept that uh, announces from the outset that how we think about nature and how we think about the natural world always already has a political dimension to it. Right. I like that a lot. I feel like um, while it's not necessarily ecological uh, in nature, it, it certainly seems like it has an affinity there that we recognize that these are not inert concepts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say that there is indeed an ecological dimension to it, if you like. Um, I was interested in how you talked about the way words matter, right? How we call a thing affects our ability to see a thing. So when you mentioned that, you know, especially, and I know I've heard psychosomatics used in the United States where I'm from as being a kind of, you know, this is not worthy of attention. And I wonder, um, is it different? What have you encountered uh, in your in your research? I know this started off as a welcome project. Well, um, I would like to say that the choice of using the term psychosomatic as part of the title, no less, of this special issue is partly uh, deliberately provocative um, in the sense that it is an invitation for us to kind of stop and think again about these words and these concepts. Um, it's also an invitation to retrieve some of the creativity um, of thinking that we do find in the history of psychosomatic medicine in terms of really um, questioning, you know, what is health and what is non-health? What does it mean to be well integrated? What does it mean to be well regulated? Um, in ways that I think were much more um, daring uh, than we're able to contemplate today. So turning, so um, the special issues, particularly in my own uh, contribution, but also in that of others, such as uh, Felicity Callard and Stampakoulias, who look at the discipline of neuropsychoanalysis, for example, it's really um, a, an invitation to use some of these um, historical debates as a point of contrast, um, as a vantage point from which to reflect on contemporary assumptions, really. Mm -hmm, I like that. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how how this all come about? Like, what what were the steps that led to this special issue? And I, I know that we have a, a lot of really diverse participants in it. And so I'm just curious, how did how did you come to the decision to do this work as a special issue? What kind of projects? Okay, well, perhaps the first thing I should mention, which I think you've already hinted at, is that the um, the special issue arises out of two events that were co-funded by the Wellcome Trust and by the Centre for Research and Arts, uh, Social Science and Humanities at Cambridge, what we know as CRASH, and by Goldsmiths, um, the college where I work. Um, and these events, one of them was a, a public event and another one was a workshop, brought together a number of very diverse specialists um, to debate questions um, around responsibility and health. And here's where I begin to answer your question in terms of what was the idea behind the special issue. Really, the whole thing arose out of a frustration um, with the quality of public debate and the quality of public conversation. Um, and when I say public debate and public conversation, I mean, from newspaper headlines to, you know, the social media threads and commentaries about questions around responsibility and health. Mm, yeah. um, so all too often in these forums, what you see is debate reduced to stark alternatives between 
either blaming individuals for their behaviors, you know, for not exercising enough, for not eating the right things or for smoking or whatever their choices. Or smoking, yes, <laughs> tobacco, right. <laughs> exactly. That on the one hand, or excusing them on the basis of some natural determinism, you know, it's, it's their genes or it's, you know, and, and that alternative is very stark and, and very simplistic. Um, and so the intention behind these events was to open conversations about or start a different kind of conversation about issues around responsibility, agency for health, how we relate to our bodies, what our bodies are capable of um, that may not necessarily be acknowledged when we regard them as objects that we have control over, as it were, uh, or that control us, conversely. I think it's very interesting, especially because, again, if you're blaming someone for their condition, if you're if you're blaming them, then does that leak into public policy where therefore it keeps you from providing certain kinds of resources? Like this person doesn't deserve this resource um, is a potential outcome of that kind of thinking, I would think. Is that is that true? Is that part of what you're tackling? Yes. I mean, of course, um, contexts vary enormously from, from place to place. Uh, but we do see in the news debates around the rationing of services, for example, to patients. This is in countries that would have a national health service uh, to patients with so-called lifestyle diseases. You know, so if you smoke or if you're obese, then you, you, you know, there's a debate as to whether you should be further down the line in terms of a waiting list for operations and so on. Um, and that really does individualize the problem. Um, but the answer to not individualizing it is not simply to say, well, it's all in their genes, they have nothing to do with it. I think we really do need a more sophisticated conversation, a more a, a richer repertoire to discuss questions of responsibility, motivation, choice, self-management, and so on. Well, and of course, I mean, medical humanities is all about trying to plumb these intersections, that it's not an either or situation. It's not, well, it's in your genes, so take this pill and you'll be better. It's not, well, it's all your fault. And, or it's even, it's not always about control. And so I think that um, I'm interested in, in your work here, partly because as a medical humanities journal, you know, I feel like our motto is, it's more complicated than that. Um, it's almost as though that's how we, we look at everything is that the lenses that we have that were offered are, are often um, not the best ones to see a problem through because, because they have these limitations. Yes. Although having said that, um, if I can be again provocative and a little bit controversial perhaps, um, another motivation for this type of event was the fact that this stark alternative uh, between you know the individual and the collective or the nature and, and agency does seem to be reproduced and reflected um, at the level of a disciplinary division of labor between you know, the natural sciences and the humanities, and to some extent also in the discourse of medical humanities, insofar as there is this idea that you know there are the disciplines of the body that you know deal with biology, and then there are the disciplines of the mind or the spirit that deal with experience and subjectivity and so on. And again, to that, I would like to say, well, it's not as simple as that. You know, bodies are never just bodies, <laughs> or we we can be less reductionist about what we think bodies can do. And I think in your own journal, in fact, this issue has been taken up as a call to a critical medical humanities, if I'm not mistaken. So it speaks to that agenda. 
Right, right. Yes, because, uh, you know, we have a, a very broad, one of the things that's changed in the last couple of years with the journal and the route that we've taken is this concept that um, you have to be critical. You have to look back at the processes and the systems and situations. It's not just about adding something on, you know, it's not, exactly. it's not, uh, well, we'll just add on a humanities program and everything will be fine. It's, it's much more about constant engagement. And one of the things that we've really leaned on is this idea of conversation as, as being a platform for conversation that we can, can engage and get to the things that are complicated and controversial. And we actually have uh, a paper category called current controversies and uh, a section on our blog called provocations. So, you know, we're, we're not running away from those issues. And I think that that's another thing that makes this particular special issue stand out in that um, these are these are tough concepts and it's, it's tricky. Um, and it's asking readers to enter into debates that they may not have thought about before or may not be ready for or may not want to, you know. <laughs> so I think it's really important. Oh, yeah. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So as we're, I know we're wrapping up here, what would you um, say to, say, a lay reader or a general audience? What would you want to let them know is important about this? What's, what's the uptake? What's something you'd like them to walk away with? I would really like them to walk away uh, perplexed um, and with some curiosity about what the word psychosomatic might mean. Um, if I can in any way dislodge the, the kind of knee-jerk reaction that often um, meets the mention of this term, um, that, would be a, that would be a great achievement of this special issue. There's a whole history of incredibly interesting debates about mind-body relations. You know, forms of dualism and forms of medical reductionism have been debated critically in medicine at least since the early 20th century. Um, and there is a wealth of wonderful ideas out there. They don't really seem to make much of an impact uh, in our practical reality uh, as yet. And indeed, one of the papers in the special issue suggests that really what we should do is not begin by criticizing dualism, because this has been done to death, but rather acknowledge how powerful dualism is in our societies and, and therefore in, ask ourselves, you know, what work does that dualism do and what do we need to learn to, in a sense, do differently in order to be able to actually dismantle it, if that's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Which I think is a concept that we're all grappling with at the moment, as there seems to be a greater polarization in all sorts of areas of our lives um, recently. So thank you very much, Monica. This is, again, a special issue that's coming out in June in Medical Humanities on biopolitics and psychosomatics. I believe the subtitle is Participating Bodies. We hope that you will join us on the blog where we will have uh, excerpts and um, other materials about these papers and also read the articles online and the commentaries therein. Thank you again, Monica, and thank you all for listening. Thank you very much, Brandy. Thank you for listening to the Medical Humanities Podcast. Stay in touch by reading the journal or our blog online. Just follow the links in the episode description. We're also on Twitter at medhams underscore BMJ or find us on Facebook. Facebook.